Holy Gospel comes to us today from the book of John. John chapter 8. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, But we are descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Today on this Reformation Sunday, I'm going to do something very different. I'm not giving my sermon at all. I'm giving a sermon that Martin Luther gave in 1539. The sermon are from the words of Martin Luther's sermon at the Castle Pleissenburg in Leipzig, Germany in 1539, exactly 18 years after he was put on trial there, in which he said, I will stand on God's word and God's word alone. Here I stand. So again, emphasis. These are not my words. Any uh, plagiarism people out there? Not at all. This is all Martin Luther's words. I'm just going to give it my best shot. But when they are asked, what is the, the Christian church? What does it say and do? They reply, the church looks to the Pope, the cardinals, and the bishops. But this is not true. Therefore, we must look to Christ and listen to him as he describes the true Christian church in contrast to their phony shrieking. For one should and one must rather believe Christ and the apostles. That tone must speak God's word and do so at St. Peter and hear the Lord Christ says, He who keeps my word, there is my dwelling, there is the builder, my word must remain in it, otherwise it shall not be my house. Our papists want to improve on this. And therefore, they may be in parable because Christ, in peril because Christ says, we will make our home with them. There the Holy Spirit will be at work. There must be a people that loves me and keeps my commandments. Quite bluntly, this is what he wants. Here Christ is not speaking of how the church is built, as he spoke above concerning the dwelling. But when it has been built, then the word must certainly be true, and a Christian should listen to nothing but God's word. Elsewhere in worldly affairs, he hears other things, how the wicked should be punished and the good protected, and about the economy and such. But here in the Christian church, it should be a house in which only the word of God resounds. Therefore, let them shriek themselves crazy with their cry, Church, church, without the word of God, it is nothing. My dear Christians are steadfast confessors of the word in life and in death. They will not forsake this dwelling. So dearly do they love this prince. Whether in favor or not, for this they will leave country and people, boy and life. Thus we read of a Roman centurion, a martyr, who, when he was stripped of everything, said, This I know, they cannot take away from me, my Lord Christ. Therefore, a Christian says, This Christ I must have. 
Though it costs me everything else, what I cannot take with me can go. Christ alone is enough for me. Therefore, all Christians should stand strong and steadfast upon the word alone, as St. Peter says, by the strength which God supplies. Behold how it all happens in weakness. Look at baptism. It is water, but where does this hallowing and the power come from? From the Pope? No, it comes from God who says, He who believes and is baptized. For the Pope puts trust in the consecrated water. Why, Pope? Who gave you the power? The ecclesia? The church? Yes, indeed. Where is it written, though? Nowhere. Therefore, the consecrated water is Satan's goblin bath, which cripples, blinds, and consecrates the people without God's word. But in the church, one should teach and preach nothing besides or apart from the word of God. For the pastor who does the baptizing says, it is not I who baptize you. I am only the instrument. It is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is not my work. Likewise, the blessed sacrament at the table is not administered by men but rather by God's commands. We only lend our hands to it. Do you think this is an insignificant meal which feeds not only the soul but also the mortal body of a poor condemned sinner for the forgiveness of sins in order that the body too might live? This is God's power. This is the householder's power, not men's. So also, in absolution. When a distressed sinner is pardoned, by what authority and command is he pardoned? Not by human command, but by God's command. Behold, here, by God's power, I deliver you from the kingdom of the devil and transfer you to the kingdom of God. So it is, too, with our prayer, which gains all things from God, not through its own power or because it is able to do this, but because it rests in God's promise. In the world, you see how hard it is to approach the Roman emperor and gain help. But a, doubt, a devout Christian can always come to God with a humble, believing prayer and be heard. It is the word which we believe. This is what makes our hearts so bold that we dare to call ourselves the children of the Father. And where does this come from? The answer is from God, who teaches us to pray in the Lord's Prayer and puts into our hands the book of the Psalms. For if we prayed without faith, this would be to curse twice over, as we learned in our nasty papistical holiness. But where there is a believing heart, and that heart has before it the promise of God, it quite simply and artlessly prays it's our Father and is heard. Outside of this church of God, you may present your prayers, your supplications to great lords and potentates to the best of your ability, but here you have no ability to pray except in Christ Jesus, in order that we may not boast that we are holy as they do in the papacy, who protest, of course, and say, oh, it would be a presumption for anybody to call himself holy and fit, and yet they teach that man of him, uh, himself has a certain preparation for prayer. They also teach prayer according to this doctrine of their chants and say, I have prayed in despair as a poor sinner. Oh, stop that kind of praying. 
It would be better to drop such praying altogether if you despair, for despair ruins everything, and if you go to baptism, prayer, and the sacrament without faith, and in despair you are actually mocking God. What you should quickly say, however, is this. I am certain that my dear God has so commanded and that he has assured me of the forgiveness of sins. Therefore, I will baptize. Therefore, I will absolve. Therefore, I will pray. And immediately, you will receive this treasure in your heart. It does not depend on your worthiness or your unworthiness, for both of these can only make us despair. Therefore, do not allow yourself by any means to be driven to despair. Go and baptize in faith. That is, baptize those who repent and are sorry for their sins. Here you hear that this is not a human work, but the work of God and the Father. He is the householder who wills to dwell here. But if we despair, then we should stay away from the sacrament and from prayer and first learn to say, all right, it makes no difference that I am unworthy. God is truthful nevertheless, and he has most certainly promised and assured us, I'll stake my life on this. And this we did not know under the papacy. Indeed, I, Martin Luther, for a long time could not find my way out of this papistical dream because they were constantly blathering to me about my worthiness and unworthiness. Therefore, you young people, learn to know the church rightly. Concerning penitence or penance, we teach that it consists in the acknowledgement of sins and genuine trust in God, who forgives them all for Christ's sake. The Pope, on the contrary, does nothing but scold and devise intolerable burdens. And besides, he knows nothing of grace and faith, much less does he teach what the Christian church really is. But don't you forget the main point here, namely that God wants to make his dwelling here among each of you. Therefore, when the hand is laid upon your head, and the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you in the words, I absolve you from all your sins in the name of Christ. You should take hold of this word with a sure faith and be strengthened out of the mouth of the preacher. And this is what Christ and St. Peter are saying. He, the Lord, wants to dwell in this church. The word alone must resound in it. In short, the church is a dwelling in order that God may be loved and heard. Not wood or stones, not dumb animals. It should be people who know, love, and praise God, and that you may be able to trust God with certainty in all things, including cross and suffering. You should know that it is the true church, even though it be made up of scarcely two believing persons. That's why Christ says, He who loves me keeps my word. There I will dwell. There you have my church. So now, though, now you must guard yourselves against the Pope's church, debobbed and bedazzled with gold and pearls, but here Christ teaches us the opposite. To love God and keep his word is not the Pope's long robe and crown, nor even his decretals. There is a great difference between what God commands and what men command. Look how the Pope brazenly announces we should invoke the saints and conduct ourselves according to his human precepts. 
Does God's word command this too? I still do not see it. But this I know very well, that God's word says, I, Christ, go to the Father, and he who believes in me will be saved, for I have suffered for him, and also give him the Holy Spirit on high. So the Lord Christ and the Pope, they each have their own church. But with this mighty difference, which Christ himself, the best dialectician, here describes telling us what it is and where it is, namely, where his word is purely preached. So where you hear this, there you may know that this is the true church. For where the word of God is not present, there also are not true believing confessors and martyrs. And if the world of God were lacking, then he then we would have been deceived by Christ, then he really would have betrayed us. Oh, if we could only stake it all on Christ and mock and laugh at the Pope, since Christ clearly says here not, he who has my word, but he who keeps it loves me and is also my disciple. But there are many of you who have my word true enough, but do not keep it and in time of trouble and trial, will fall away altogether and deny Christ. It would, of course, be desirable if we could always have both, the word and our temporal crumbs, but the good venison peace, it's very scarce in the kingdom of heaven. It's therefore something which must be recognized as a great blessing of God when there is peace among temporal lords and mutual understanding. But if not, then let them all go. Goods, fame, wife, and child, if only this treasure remain with us. I fear, however, that unfortunately there will be among us many weathercocks, false brethren, and such like weeds. And yet I am not going to be a prophet because I must prophesy nothing but evil. And who would presume to be able to fathom it all? It will turn out all right. Now we have it. Let us see it that we hold on to it. But let us be valiant against Satan who intends to sift us like wheat. For it may well be that you will have your bit of bread under a good government And then the devil will soon set a snare for you in your security and presumption so that you will no longer trust and give place to the word of God as much as you did before. That's why Christ says this, My sheep not only hear me, but they also obey and follow me. They increase in faith daily through hearing the word of God and the right and perfect use of the blessed sacraments. There is strengthening and comfort in this church. And it is also the true church, not cowls, tonsures, and long robes of which the word of God knows nothing, but rather wherever two or three are gathered together, not matter whether it be on the ocean or in the depths of the earth, if only they have before them the word of God and believe and trust in the same, there is most certainly the real, ancient, true apostolic church. But we were so blinded by the papacy that even though St. Peter tells us that we have the prophetic word made more sure and that we do well to pay attention to this as to a lamp shining in a dark place, we still cannot see what a bright light we have in the gospel alone. Therefore, we must note here once again the description of the Christian church 
which Christ gives us, namely that it is a group of people who not only have his word, but also love and keep it and forsake everything for the sake of love. But Christ tells you and me something far different. He says, my church is where my word is is preached purely and is unadulterated and kept. Therefore, St. Paul warns that we should flee and avoid those who would lead us away from God's word. For if anyone defiles God's temple, which we are, God will destroy him. And St. Peter also says, take heed. If you are going to preach, then you should preach nothing but God's word. Otherwise, you will defile God's church. If anybody wants to teach human precepts, let him do so in secular and domestic affairs and leave the church alone. After all, The papists are really empty spewers and talkers, since Christ himself here says, He who hears my word and keeps it, to him will I and my Father come and make our home with him. This is the end of Jerusalem and Moses. Here there is to be a little band of Christ who hear God's word and keep the same and rely upon it in every misfortune. This is my church, this Lord we shall believe, even though the Pope may blow his top over it. But in these words, Christ was also answering the Apostle Judas, who also allowed himself to imagine that Christ would become a great secular emperor and that they, the apostles, would become great lords in the nations when he should manifest himself. But how wrong Judas was. Here Christ tells them straight out that his kingdom is not of this world, but that they and all believers should be that the kingdom of heaven in which God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit dwells himself. He does not install angels, emperors, kings, princes, and lords in that church. He himself wants to be the householder and be the only one to speak and act. There I will dwell, he says, and with me all believers from everlasting to everlasting. But Judas, the good man, still cannot understand this, and therefore the Holy Spirit must come and teach it to him. Of this future and this ministry, dear Christians, you will hear tomorrow, God willing. If I cannot do it, then it will be done by others who can do better than I. Though they will not admit it, let this today serve as an introduction or the morning sermon May the Lord help us. I cannot go on further now. Thanks be to God.